Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle. I am your gracious, gracious host, Jonathan Wiegand, and I'm happy to be here in my Star Trek bunker on these eastern coasts of the United States. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. This is our final Borg episode, the conclusion of the Borg. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We are actually very, very close to surpassing 500 downloads worldwide, and just want to thank you all for that. Um, It's been tremendous. I've never thought this would get that large. And then also we passed 1,000 Instagram followers. We're going to do a giveaway. So stay tuned to the Omega Particle Podcast Instagram. And you can find us at with the convenient name of at Omega Particle Podcast. So we're probably, I'm thinking of maybe like a digital download video game giveaway or maybe a Star Trek Catan giveaway, something along those lines. So keep tuned. We're definitely going to do it. And um, I'm excited. And just as my way of giving back to all the support you guys have given me. Yes, I'm very excited about the conclusion to this Borg series. I apologize for taking a little bit longer than normal to produce and edit this podcast episode because it is just so much material. A majority of the Borg activity occurs in the 24th century due to that's when the Federation became known about the Borg. So it's a lot. (laughs) So hopefully... Um, I'll try to keep it as short as possible, hopefully under an hour. But um, if it goes longer, I apologize. However, I just want to say let's get into the Borg, and that's why you're all here. Let's start the Borg, episode three. Obviously, before we begin, I want to have spoilers for all of Voyager and Next Generation, and also the TNG movies that came out. Because, and also Picard, I guess, because we're going to be talking about Picard some. If you're in the middle of Voyager or TNG during this lockdown period, just keep an eye out so you know. Finish the series before you start this um, episode because I don't want to ruin anything for you. I'm going to cover the spatial ribbon and how the Federation became aware of the Borg due to the Elarians assimilation. So we will uh, start from there. Now these will go through the years just right up front. So through the years 2354 and 2356, the Borg are relatively unknown. And then after this spatial ribbon occurred, which can be shown in Star Trek Generations, that the Federation finally opened a file and quote-unquote investigation into the Borg and who they are and to study them. So now that, and I think we covered that in the last episode, so now that we have this investigation, now that we have this file on the board, the only thing left is to study them. And who did Starfleet send to study the board? Well, of course, it's exobiologist Magnus Hansen and his wife Erin and his daughter Annika. Hopefully some eyebrows were raised at that name. But we'll cover that later. Anyway, this family was in charge of studying the Borg for Starfleet. And they kind of gave everything into it. They were very passionate about this subject. They were very curious about the Borg and really didn't fear the Borg as a lot of members of the Federation did. So they were on the ship, the USS Raven, while investigating the Borg. I mean, you have to think, they have no idea, Starfleet has no idea who the Borg are. They are completely going on rumors. They are completely going on hearsay, really no actual facts. So sending, I feel like just sending one ship, (laughs) the Raven was kind of like, okay, maybe they should have sent more. Maybe they did. We just don't, there's no info on that. It just focuses on this one particular ship. And you'll know why in a minute when we cover that lore. However, I'm assuming they did this on a, multi-ship bases. They would send out all of these ships to study the Borg, not just one, because you never know if they got assimilated or or etc. The USS Raven 
followed the Borg for around three months. And then the Raven actually followed the Borg into a transwarp conduit, which took them to the Delta Quadrant. Talk about committing to science. I mean, almost foolishly saying we're going to just abandon all of our past family, all of our everything to, for this pursuit of this one subject matter. And it's an important subject matter because it turned out to be the Federation's greatest enemy. They're in the Delta Quadrant. But my question that I had was, how are they tracking the Borg without the Borg noticing? I mean, they're not just kind of like standing back two light years or whatever and just cautiously slow behind them. No, they actually developed technology to keep them hidden from the Borg. And that technology was multi-adaptive shielding and personal biodampeners. So those dampeners helped them actually go on the ship, study the Borg, and they learned a lot about the regeneration cycle, a lot about the um, just the functions of the Borg on an internal basis. Like if a Borg drone got damaged, the usually the collective would just let the drone die or kill the drone and salvage that person for parts, pretty much. And so a lot of the knowledge we get on the early basis of the Borg come from the Hansons. So when they start to really, this is a tragic story. So the Hansons actually decided to go into a cube and hijack a drone and bring him back so they can consistently track this particular drone, see what functions he does, see how he interacts. And they did this with a subdermal probe, of course, a subdermal probe. The reason, the main reason they wanted to go after a partic- this particular drone was that they believed he worked for the Queen. So if you understand the Queen, you kind of understand the whole hierarchy of the Borg. Now, as I covered in previous episodes, it's kind of a two schools of thought on the Borg Queen. Um, not going to go over that here because that's a whole rabbit trail. <laughs> the Hansons want to know more about the Borg Queen, so they hijack, put this drone back onto the cube. However, in doing so... And the year, I believe, was 2356. The Borg detected their ship. And we know this because it's recorded that a subspace storm actually knocked out their multiphasic shielding. And so that's what exposed them to the Borg. And as this tragic story comes to a kind of a close, the Borg assimilated the Hansons and they paid the ultimate price for that research. So the family was fully assimilated. We know what happened to the daughter and the father, but we have no idea what happened to Aaron Hansen. No information is given. But the daughter, Annika, was actually assimilated until the year 2374 until the USS Voyager rescued her. And then she became Seven of Nine. Fun will now commence. That's right. 709 story started as a member of a research family. Uh, remember when I said about spoilers? This is spoilers um, for Voyager. But if you don't care, it's a cool little tie back. Seven of Nine or Annika is directly tied into the Borg's history. However, due to her extensive missions and interactions with the Borg, I'm actually not going to cover any of that. Um, because it's more on a, per- a majority of her missions are on more on a personal basis and not really speak to the overall sociology of the Borg. So maybe one day we'll do a seven of a nine episode down the road and we'll cover those specific missions and specific interactions with her and the Borg. But for now, this is where we leave Annika, AKA seven of nine. Yes, maybe one day, but for some time, I'm kind of Borged out of my mind. <laughs> Yes, so she was a critical role, her family was a critical role in establishing that first research of the Borg. Fast forward to the year 2364. Remember, there's a TNG episode called The Neutral Zone. And in this episode, all of these Romulan outposts on the Neutral Zone border and Federation outposts start getting destroyed and they really have no idea, so they blame each other. And it's kind of a Cold War-esque type of episode. And um, just a recap, the writers and producers wanted to do that with the Borg to slowly introduce the audience to the Borg and kind of have a slow burn with them. And this is the episode that did that. All right, like I said, 2365, this is where the poop hits the fan. Yes, it gets really wild. 
in the next probably 15, 20 years in Federation and Borg history. So just hold on to your hats. First off, we can't talk about and start this year, critical year in the 24th century, dealing with the Borg without covering first the famous TNG episode, Q, who? The Borg were traveling, just minding their own Borgy business in the Delta Quadrant, when all of a sudden, this starship comes out of nowhere, and that starship is the Enterprise. And this is when Q sends the Enterprise 7,000 light years from the Alpha Quadrant to show them that they don't have what it takes to explore space and they should stay in the Alpha Quadrant. And so this is when we see the Borg kind of start to be like, hey, we're all about the technology. They send a drone into the engineering section of the Enterprise and they start tinkering and seeing if the technology is worth the assimilation. And that's when we start to slowly peel back the layers of who the Borg are and what they're after and what their goals are. A few instances happen on this particular encounter that we learned so much about. The Borg do care about study. They drilled and took a section of the Enterprise out. I think it was three um, levels out of the Enterprise for future study, I guess. And then the Enterprise actually sends an away team to study the Borg. And then we again learn about regeneration, maturation chambers, etc. And just when all hope was lost, the Enterprise couldn't outrun the cube, and they were just about to be assimilated, Q shows up, flips them back to the Alpha Quadrant, no harm, no done, but it did prove a point that the Federation is not ready for the biggest baddies out there. And it gave the Federation several months, if not a year, to prep for the Borg coming to the Alpha Quadrant. It's kind of like we see almost that slow burn going on in TNG. And apparently this is the very first time that the Borg were ever aware of the Alpha Quadrant. So that's a little fun fact that this random ship shows up and it's from 7,000 light years away. And they're like, oh, okay, I guess we should go over there and explore and investigate. So the question is, if Q never sent the Enterprise into the Delta Quadrant, would the Borg eventually ever found it? Would they have made such an effort and such a vehement effort to get to the Alpha Quadrant, as we'll see in the next coming months and years in the 24th century? So is Q to blame for all of this? Is he... Is he to blame for all of the issues and drama that happened? And maybe, maybe not. I mean, as we covered before, the Borg aren't really this huge, conquering-minded race. They're more of, okay, let's acquire technology, let's acquire people. Are they going for the Omega Particle? Are they So, <laughs> go in a deep hole real quick. So, think about that yourself. Write to me and let me know. But... We'll move on. So in 2366, the bills are due. Piper comes calling. And in the the magnificent season three finale and opening episode of season four of Next Generation, we see best of both worlds and the critical event that would shape Jean-Luc Picard for the rest of his life. So just a recap of best of both worlds. Borks in a cube to the Alpha Quadrant, assimilate the Quadrant, and we finally have the big match that we've been waiting for, the big heavyweight. Have all this preparation that the Federation has been going through and completing and all this training actually worked, and we see that in next in the best of both worlds in Commander Shelby. She leads the Borg task force, and she's all about the Borg, and we're going to take them down, and, and they get absolutely embarrassed and obliterated just like the year before nothing's working they know the borg are coming to the alpha quadrant because they've assimilated this whole new colony called new providence and the significance of that new providence assimilation is that we finally see the romulans and the federation come to an agreement saying oh the borg were responsible for that attack all those years ago So it wasn't each other, it was the Borg. The Borg recognizes the Enterprise, and then 
intercepts the Enterprise, and then they start to hail and they personally call for Jean-Luc Picard saying, hey, buddy, we want you to be our voice to the Alpha Quadrant. We want you to be the mouthpiece for us because they'll listen to you because they know who you are. And also, you are chock full of Federation battle plans and Federation defenses and maneuvers and thought patterns. So th- he's a he's a critical point to assimilate. I mean, wealth of knowledge, wealth of information. So one of the big upgrades that the Federation came up with was modulating shields, just like the Hansons. The modulating shields are working, and then they fail, and then now they're having to go on the run. They hide in the Paulson Nebula, which kind of reminds me of the Wrath of Khan strategy, is that there's no sensors and there's nothing that they can do. So Enterprise is going to hide, maybe try to get away, maybe destroy the cube in this Nebula game, cat and mouse game. And the Borg just stand outside the Nebula and say, no, we'll wait. You can't hide in there forever. And eventually the Borg get tired and start shooting these guided torpedoes. And and Picard's like, well, there's nothing we really can do, so we got to get out of here. And, I mean, that's a smart play. And it's when you have a superior opponent, one of the things to do is have an equalizer in battle. And that's what they try to do with the Nebula. And then they got out-thunk by the Borg. The drones catch up to the Enterprise. They don't have any shielding. The drones transfer onto the bridge. They capture Picard, and then they're going to assimilate the rest of the Enterprise. Picard has now become that mouthpiece I was talking about, and the Borg acquired all of that valuable, valuable, valuable knowledge that they really needed to, to kind of keep under wraps from the Borg to beat them. And Picard is introduced as the cutest of Borg. And, well, we'll play that clipper now. All right, here we go. I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life as it has been is over. From this time forward, you will service us. Wow. That's some of the most iconic moments in all of Trek. And like I said, something that will define Jean-Luc Picard forever is that he'll deal with losing his humanity and then trying to gain it back and then also having to deal with what he gave up and how many people died because he got captured. We'll cover that relatively soon, but moving on in the year 2367, the big, big battle, and all the Star Trek nerds know this already, is the Battle of Wolf 359. And that is the Federation's attempt to stop the Borg from assimilating Section 001, which is Earth, Alpha Quadrant. And they send 40 ships into that firefight, an armada pretty much. So, I mean, talk about putting all your chips in and <laughs> hoping the player's bluffing. Probably not the best battle decision, personally, but they've, that's what they did, and they lost 39 ships and 11,000 people. And not only is this battle significant for Picard in the future, personally blames himself and the loss because of did the Borg use his knowledge of Starfleet tactical plans and battle knowledge to defeat them so easily, but also because, or should I say, Commander Benjamin Sisko lost his wife during this battle, which shaped him and his entire storyline and plot. I don't want to spoil anything for DS9. However, would Sisko gone down that profit trail? Not profit as in money, but profit as biblical profit. <laughs> if Jennifer Sisko was still alive. So that's a food for thought. Don't want to spoil anything um, for the DS9 people out there because that is the best trek. But um, would Cisco have ended up making his decisions about the prophets if Jennifer was still alive? So after that battle of 
Wolf 359, the Borg still continue to Earth. The Enterprise intercepts the cube and decides to kind of play a ruse and kind of outthink Picard and the Borg at the same time because now they're one. And so they do this by having like this little shuttle distract from the saucer coming out of the battle bridge section of the Enterprise because they can split in two and they have this little shuttle with Worf and Data to go rescue Captain Picard. And it works. And they get Picard back. Now they have to make Lacutus into Picard again. And they do this by syncing up Data's positronic matrix into the collective mind. And they they have this beautiful opportunity to completely destroy the Borg. And they could have implanted this virus and subroutine into it but they decided not to do that. And it's pretty much Jordy and Dr. Crusher decided not to do that. So Data finds a backup plan through the regeneration cycle. And funny story is that the Data pretty much puts the Borg to sleep. And the Borg were like, I mean, they were at Earth. They passed Jupiter. They beat Mars defenses. I mean, this one cube was ready to roll on Earth. And then they all fall asleep. <laughs> the Enterprise blows them up. And that's how we get Picard back. And that's how this one cube wrecked 39 ships and almost assimilated the entire Alpha Quadrant. So we'll play one, probably one of my favorite clips of all the Next Generation show. And, it's, and it really shows just the scope and brilliance of Sir Patrick Stewart. And I always joke with my wife, I'm like, do you know what? Star Trek has too good of acting. Like we have the most amazing, accomplished actors in the world. We didn't appreciate it. And it's just kind of become the standard. (laughs) And I mean, for example, like when the Picard has to read that contract with that one alien race or, and just, I don't know, it's just, it's just wild what they've made him do and what he agreed to do. But this is a clip when Picard goes back to France to his family orchard and talks with his brother. This is just some powerful moments for Picard. Here we go. <laughs> you were asking for it, you know. Yes, but you needed it. You have been terribly hard on yourself. You don't know, Robert. You don't know. They took everything I was. They used me to kill and to destroy, and I couldn't stop them. I should have been able to stop them. I tried. I tried so hard. I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't good enough. I should have been able to stop I should. I should. So, my brother is a human being after all. This is going to be with you a long time, Jean-Luc. A long time. Wow. So, I mean, that's heavy to, that's a heavy thing to live with. And as we learned in McCart season one, something he still struggles with, he tries to regain his humanity every day. So it's it's an ongoing battle for him, and I guess all ex-Borg, and that's something that is definitely touched on in Picard with Seven and Hugh. And, oh, speaking of Hugh, let's move on to the year 2368. For the year 2368, we're going to really be covering two main episodes that help with this, and that's Iborg and Descent, part one and two. Again, this is spoilers, but this is a cool backstory if you've never known about Hugh. A Borg scout ship crashed in the Argolis cluster, and only one droid survived. Now, it was found by the Enterprise, and this one drone was given medical attention. And just if you have any red flags, they did put a dampening field around him so he couldn't communicate with the collective. Because, yeah, that's a smart thing to do when they all have one mind. So, again, we're forced 
with this option of implanting a hostile program into the collective to take them out. Now, if it was me, and you're obviously at war with this species and this race, and end this war, and end this enemy once and for all, because, they, I mean, again, they just destroyed 39 of your ships, pretty much an armada, and 11,000 of your people, and also countless, countless species and civilization have been destroyed by this by the Borg, why not take them out? Why not go in and put that hostile program in again? And then you have the other argument. Well, those Borg are actually victims. And that's what Picard said in season one of Picard. (laughs) He's like, they're victims and they need to be treated as such. And I thought that was a beautiful way to humanize them and not just view them as the lenses of villain equals bad because these are still people behind it. So that's an interesting moral quandary. And again, Jordy and Crusher and Picard all decide not to implant that hostile program. And they decide to give that drone the option of being an individual, of tasting individuality again, of being cut off from the collective. And they allow this drone to blossom and ask questions and they helped him in his growth as a person and he decided to name himself Hugh. This is what I loved about the Picard um, media and kind of fanfare before episode one came out is that we we saw Hugh and we're like oh he's back how is that going to work so here's a cool tip tip of the cap to include him because he's critical in not only Picard's development as a person in the board but also Starfleet as a whole. So it was eventually decided that he would return to the crash site, but he would have his individuality intact and he would assimilate himself into the Borg through that. And that's where the big, okay, we're not going to install a hostile program, but we're going to install individuality. So I'm like, okay, you're kind of splitting hairs here. Hugh is reacclimated and reassimilated back into the Borg collective and the cube that he's on can't take it. And they go nuts. And it's chaos. And so much chaos that the ship can't even function. They can't drive. They can't go anywhere. And that's when, dun-dun-dun-dun, Lore finds them. This is what goes into the Descent series of Next Generation. So after Lore kind of found the cube and took over the cube, Lore kind of put himself as the leader, put himself as the kind of de facto queen of this Borg collective, of this Borg group. And they eventually settled down on this planet, and he actually gave them individual names. But this is when it starts getting kind of wonky, is that Lore starts doing experiments, like cruel experiments on the Borg, and actually tries to, in some instances, implant positronic matrices into the Borg minds. And it's just kind of just all over the place, psychopathic, nature that is lore and he takes it on the board and i mean he changes everything about him instead of assimilating people they just kill people straight out and then he lore eventually manipulates the enterprise and data into coming into their little planet and then tries to kill data and take over the enterprise again and yeah they eventually just overthrew lore so we're going to move on to the year 2371 and the Borg assimilated um, species 6339 is a humanoid species. And you're like, why, Jonathan, are you mentioning this? Because I want to capture the sheer scope and size of the Borg itself. When they assimilated species 6339, it had 11 billion people in it. So this isn't just like a, oh, a couple thousand. This is 11 billion drones this is massive and this is what makes them the most formidable enemy is it's kind of just like this blob from those 1950s movies it just keeps growing and growing and growing and you can't take it out talk about that moral quandary question that the crew of the enterprise faced twice i mean that's that's a good idea of how big the borg are and just the sheer scope of them for the next two years until 2373 we see on star date 50893.5 of course who can forget that star date 
um, a single Borg cube went into Earth and tried to assimilate Earth. And when they didn't, they went, created a, a spatial time rift and went back in time to when First Contact happened and tried to stop First Contact, which is the plot of Star Trek First Contact. <laughs> Great movie, one of my favorites. Um, we're not going to cover that too much. I think we covered it in previous episode historical episodes because of the time period and we're going to go in chronological order but this is when the Borg ship went back from the star date pretty much we've all covered TNG canon and we're about to take a tonal shift to Voyager so stretch them leggies walk around I want to get some water because the Voyager aspect is where a majority of this new ideas and new attitude of the Borg come around now we see Picard He's been captured by the Borg, made part of the collective. He's tortured, and he dealt with them almost with a vengeance. Again, with the, you broke your little ships <laughs> line. That's to you, Alan. Is that if he, he almost has, yeah, he has this vengeance that he has to live with and his anger. And eventually it subsides. And then, as we see in Picard, that he eventually just tries to regain his humanity every day. So that's how Picard dealt with the Borg. Now we're going to see how Janeway has dealt with the Borg, and it's completely different. It's not shoot him up. I would almost call it cowboy diplomacy of Picard. She's completely different and very interesting because it reveals a lot about her character. Shortly after that first star date, on star date 50984.3, the Borg were on the ropes, man. You're asking why the Borg didn't straight out just take the Alpha Quadrant over and just completely go after them in this conquering mindset. And is it because, A, that's not their mindset, B, because they're dealing with the Omega Particle, or C, because they were dealing with Species A472. Now, this is a completely, if you've never watched Voyager, hold on to your hats, because it's about to get wild. Very wild. Okay, a little backstory. Species A472 is this kind of creatures from fluidic space now fluidic space is like another dimension pretty much and it's where they operate and they live in and the borg found out about species a472 and tried to assimilate them and as we learned with dr flox and enterprise the dna of species a472 was so like tight and so dense that the nanoprobes of the borg couldn't penetrate that dna they couldn't assimilate them, so the Borg were still going to try and take them out, number one, or assimilate them some way. So the Borg invade fluidic space, which starts a war, of course, with Species A472. I mean, it got so bad that when Species A472 was coming in, they were just annihilating everything that came in their path. I mean, the, the Borg lost millions of drones thousands of ships thousands of worlds got liberated out of them and they may say oh well maybe species a472 is good maybe they're they're the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of thing no the borg screwed it for everybody and now species a472 wants to take out all life in our galaxy our dimension because they view it as a threat to theirs the borg are on the ropes they've lost they're getting their tail handed to them, and then you can tell they've never had to deal with an opponent like this. At the middle, in the, in the crux of this matter, they encounter Voyager. And when they encounter Voyager, there's actually 15 cubes to Voyager. And you think, this is it. They can't. No way Voyager can fight this off. They're going to either self-destruct or get destroyed or get assimilated. And then the Borg completely ignore them. Because they got bigger fish to fry. They got to go take down Species A472. And that's exactly what they do. And Voyager's like, what the heck, bro? Thought we were enemies. I'm definitely going to investigate. And then they investigate. And they find out all 15 of those ships that passed them by got destroyed. And interestingly enough, a Species A472 bioship was there as well. And that's where we start to learn all that previous information about them from this instance. And I mean, Species A472 was so wild, they even stacked the bodies on the Borg cube as a show of force. Like some old 
biblical prophet and was like, I am, this is what we did. And this is how many of you we killed. And it's almost a trophy way, very old school, barbaric warfare that we're dealing with. And we learn through this encounter with the Borg is that they encountered species A472 at this point, 12 times. And out of those 12 times, they lost every single one. So they're getting their butts handed to them. And all of a sudden, when Voyager's going through the wreckage and kind of seeing what's around and investigating, Borg Cube comes up out of nowhere and says, hey, we're going to assimilate you now. And they locked a tractor beam on them. And that was it. And that looked like it was all all she wrote. And this is what makes Picard different than Janeway. Janeway says, hey, buddy, let's form an alliance. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. So this is the deal that Janeway said. She's like, look, we've got nanoprobes that can attack species 8472. Remember that bio ship that was found in the wreckage before? The doctor formulated these nanoprobes and manipulated nanoprobes to attack species A472 so they could create photonic torpedoes and weapons. So the question is, what does Voyager want in return? So they have the weapon to defeat species A472. Now, what does Voyager want in return? They want safe passage through all of Borg space, which is so stinking valuable because those first couple seasons of Voyager, it's kind of like this dark cloud and shadow that's over the episodes because they know, hey, we're going to have to deal with the Borg. We're going to have to go through their space for many, many, many light years, and we may not make it. This is a perfect deal, mutual. I think Chakotay is totally against it. He calls it the scorpion on your back, Native American proverb that that there's a scorpion running across the river. And he asks the dog, hey, if I ride on your back, Will you take me across the river? If you do, I won't sting you. So the dog's like, yeah, okay, I'll take you across the river if you promise not to sting me. And then when they're almost across the river, the scorpion stings the dog. And the dog's like, why did you do that, bro? I thought we were friends. And then the scorpion's like, I can't help it. It's in my nature. Chakotay warns Janeway, hey, don't trust these Borg. It's in their nature. They're going to come after us. No matter what this little alliance you have, they're coming for us. At some point, at some time, don't forget that. And that was wise words. And interesting kind of visual is that to cement this agreement, Janeway doesn't take Chakotay's advice, is that Janeway was beamed to the Borg cube and they negotiated. And Borg tried to play hardball and say, we want the weapon info now and then you can transport free freely through our space. Janeway's like, no, let us get through the space, then we'll give you the info. So the Borg agreed to that. Also said, hey, while we're going through the Borg space, let's develop this weapon together. So we're going to jump ahead to the year 2374. They wanted to try to develop this new technology and this new weapon on their way through Borg space. Janeway and Tuvok actually transported over to the Borg cube. And the Borg were like, hey, let's link. Let's put you in the collective so we don't have to talk. We don't like talking. And Janeway's like, no, we want to communicate as individuals, not be linked into the hive mind. Janeway's like, look, 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 just pick one Borg to speak out of and choose that Borg. And then we will just communicate with that one person. And you may be like, Jonathan, why is any of this relevant? And I will say this, that Borg that was chosen to speak for the collective to Tuvok and Janeway was none other then Annika, then Seven of Nine herself. Yes, this is when we first see Seven of Nine in the first, I think, first or second episode of season four. So the Borg choose Seven of Nine to speak for them, and they both agree that they need some large-scale weapon, and the Borg create this multi-kinetic neutronic mine, which just sounds like a bunch of Star Trek words, you know? What is an interesting aspect and kind of a turn for this is that telepathic contact with Kess, which might suggest that species A472 might already know the plans to attack them. And the Borg might say, hey, like, you're kind of, maybe are you kind of working with them and kind of double-crossing us? And 
the Borg asked Janeway straight up, like, hey, look, we want those modified nanoprobes so we can do this weapon ourselves. And of course, the Scorpion thing, like, no, we're not going to give you the weapons because you're going to kill us and you're going to take us out because that's your nature. That's what you do. And Voyager basically was like, look, we'll fight to the death. We don't care what you do. You're not getting this. We'll self-destruct. You're not getting these nanoprobes until we're through your space. And so the Borg bluffed and they dropped their demand. So the bio ship that was there of Species A472, the Borg deliberately crashed into its suicide mission into it and destroyed both the cube and the bio ship. Before the, the Borg Collective ran into the Kamikaze mission, they beamed Seven of Nine, a couple other drones, a couple of um, Borg alcoves, which alcove is how they regenerate, and Janeway and Tuvok to one of the cargo bays because they were all in that Borg cube. So they're in that cargo bay, and the Borg explained that they're going to, they destroyed their own cube because Species A479 was tipped off by Kess. And so pretty much they're like, hey, the Borg's like, we're going to alter our deal, that we're, we're not happy with this, and that we just put us down on a planet or a moon with those modified nanoprobes and we'll just leave us alone. Janeway's like, of course I'm not going to do that because, A, I'm not giving you those nanoprobes yet. And then the Borg through Seven of Nine say, well, we're just going to assimilate everybody. And then, again, we're going this kind of back and forth, back and forth. And why is like, I know I, I said in the beginning I wasn't going to deal with my personal missions, but this is, is a cool snapshot of how Seven of Nine gets onto the Voyager and how they defeat Species A472. Seven of Nine is escorted back to the cargo bay and the Borg say, hey, take over Voyager and then go into fluidic space. Take them out. Take them out. However, before they can do that, Species A472 comes in, takes out eight planets, takes out 312 Borg vessels, and kills four million drones. The Borg, through all that confusion and all that chaos through Species A472, the Borg took control of the navigational deflector and created a singularity which pulled Voyager into fluidic space that's right, the realm of Species A472. So Chakotay was like, fine, if you're going to do that, you're going to try, you took over a ship, boom, going to decompress that cargo bay, shoot out, shoot all the drones out. And the only one to survive was, of course, Seven of Nine. And they kind of realized, hey, and this is a smart thing to be like, look, we didn't start this war. We have no beef between the Borg and Species A472. We don't want anything to do. We haven't attacked any A472 ships. We're not here just leave us alone. Species A472 didn't think that way. And they attacked Voyager and was about to destroy Voyager when Voyager's like, look, we gotta we gotta take care of ourselves. We gotta take care of the Delta Quadrant. We gotta take care of... They used a high-yield warhead full of those nanoprobes and exploded it in fluid space, which destroyed 13 bioships and then opened a portal again to our normal space, forced all those other bioships to come back. So kind of a one punch, they learned their lesson not to deal with Federation or the Delta Quadrant. And that's how Species A472 goes away. And that's how we're stuck with Seven of Nine on board Voyager. And of course, after Voyager gets out of that fluidic space, she, Seven of Nine reconnects with the Borg Collective and they immediately break their alliance with Voyager. So wrapping up quickly, um, there are a ton of, like I mentioned before, seven personal, like going back and forth with the Borg Queen. Kind of going to skip over that and kind of go ahead um, a few years in the Borg history and chronology because it's just not relevant. Um, I really wanted to tell the story of how seven and Species A472 were des- were destroyed and how Seven became a member of Voyager. I thought that was important because of all of her knowledge of the Borg and what we learned through the fe- through her kind of rescue and how the Federation benefited. However, now we're going to go on kind of wrapping up real quick. So we're going to jump ahead to the year 2378. And this year is critically important because it leads up to Picard and how the Borg dealt with, number one, but also number two dealing with how Admiral Janeway and Captain Janeway, yes, you heard me right, helped defeat the Borg and destroy a massive 
unicomplex and a massive transwarp series of transwarp conduits. Now, I personally thought when seeing this episode, and and it's called Endgame and Voyager, that it destroyed the Borg entirely. However, now with Picard, we know that's not the case, that they're still around and they still have some function. So eventually I think they're going to be brought in as the big baddies again. And we talked about multiple queens and unicomplexes in previous episodes. So if you want more information, please revert back to those. Really fun stuff, really cool, interesting um, aspects to the Borg and how the hierarchy is formed. Or is there a hierarchy? <gasps> the debate continues. We see that the Borg queen actually intercepted a message to Voyager and they had this view screen conversation between Captain Janeway and Admiral Janeway and Admiral Janeway entered the Delta Quadrant through this temporal time rift and she traveled back in time to bring Voyager home early. See in Admiral Janeway's timeline Voyager came home 20 I think it took him 25 or 27 years to come home and they lost a ton of people Janeway didn't want to go through that heartache again. She was like, well, I'm going to go back in time and I'm going to get, I'm going to bring him home early. So with her, she, I think it was like a small shuttlecraft. She brought all this shielding technology and all this weapons technology that could completely take out the Borg. No issue, no problem. When the Borg Queen sees this, she contacts Seven of Nine through her alcove when she regenerates. And she's like, hey. Did you know about this, Admiral Janeway? The little backstory is that Voyager was about to go into this nebula to investigate this nebula for scientific reasons. And the Queen warned Seven that if Voyager enters this nebula, they would be assimilated. Of course, being Janeway and Voyager, they didn't listen and they entered this nebula. And the Borg Queen sends three cubes after it. And so this is when those new weapons and shielding come into effect because... The Borg could not get anything. They couldn't tractor Voyager in. They couldn't do any damage to Voyager. And Voyager was just like popping them off, man. Took out two to the three cubes. And the Borg Queen's like, all right, get him out. We don't need him here anymore. I don't care at this point. So Voyager gets away. And rightfully so. So they have all this technology. And, and they, they have this promise from Janeway or future Admiral Janeway about how to get home and I mean, I would take up a off on that offer. Heck yeah. Be like, all right, well, let's, instead of 70 years, let's do it like now. Let's do it in a couple, like a couple hours, of course. I would totally chomp at the bit to do this. And I mean, you get into temporal, like mechanics and, and ethical questions and butterfly effects. But I know if I was on that ship 70 years from home, you best believe I'd be looking for every, any single way I could get home to my family faster. And so what Admiral Janeway did, and they devised this plan is that she, through a synaptic interface, gets with the queen and says, look, you can't do anything with us. We know where you're at. We know about the transwarp conduits, and we're going to come after you. We have all this new shielding and technology. And then Janeway's like, hey, kind of a ploy, says, hey, do you know what? Like, we're going to give you this technology if you let Voyager go through. And, of course, the queen's like, no, we're not going to do that, and kind of baits her to kind of keep talking, kind of like with those police men when they're talking to the kidnapper they're like yeah just keep talking keep talking pal and they like triangulate his location that's exactly what the queen did they found Janeway and I think that's what Janeway wanted because then they get physical Janeway in the queen's quarters and in that unicomplex and Janeway gets assimilated by the queen why is that important because Janeway had those damning nanoprobes in her bloodstream so when the queen assimilated Janeway, she assimilated that quote-unquote virus, took out the unicomplex. And as this is going on, Voyager, under the radar, gets in the transwarp conduits. And like like I said before in previous episodes, they're like little mine shafts through space and time. And they start blowing them up as they from behind them. We see Voyager arrive in the Alpha Quadrant and it only took them seven years. Interestingly enough, that was the only contract they had for Voyager to stay on the air. So we knew they were going to get home in seven years. It doesn't matter of how. Um, so the Borg, it looked like that Unicomplex was destroyed. They had this pathogen, this virus, now going throughout their collective, destroying it, blowing up the Unicomplex. Now their transwarp conduits are destroyed. How do they rebuild? How do they come back? 
And that's a question we don't know yet. And that's a question we won't know for some time. <laughs> so, I mean, the most after that we see is from Picard season one, where the Romulan free state, because after Romulus was destroyed, captures a cube. It is known as the artifact. And that Borg reclamation project begins. And they do all the research into the Borg. And for whatever Romulan reasons, maybe to acquire more of their technology and how they, I don't know, maybe they have this alliance with the Borg that we don't know about. We'll maybe see that in Picard season two, but that has been the conclusion to the Borg series. Wow, we wow, wow. We are done with the Borg. I have been assimilated. I am Borged out of my mind. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. This has been a pleasure to research with you guys. It's been a fun to go over. Um, I'm really excited for where the podcast is heading next for all your support. And since we hit a thousand followers on Instagram and close to 500 downloads, definitely doing a giveaway. So if you follow me on Instagram, I will release those details on how we're going to do it. It's basically going to be like a drawing. So you're going to have to tag friends and, and share posts. And each time you do, or share one of my stories, one of my posts, and each time you do that will be an entry into the giveaway and more details will come out in concrete, whether it be like Star Trek Bridge Crew or Star Trek Catan. One of the two I'll give away. I don't I haven't decided which, but um, probably either way are great games to play during this quarantine time because we have all this free time. So uh, yeah, definitely stay tuned to that on social media, and I'll get those out to you guys. And again, thank you for all the support. This Borg series has been great to cover one of the best villains in all of sci-fi. It's just crazy to me that it's uh, it's finally over. And now we're going to go on to maybe some other fun little topics before we get into the next big um, multi-episode idea. So, again, if you have any ideas or suggestions that you would like for me to cover, you'd like to me to discuss, please, please reach out. You can email me. My email address is omegaparticlepodcast at gmail.com or on my Instagram handle is at omegaparticlepodcast. Feel free to reach out. I love talking with you guys. Um, so far, I think we're in 21 countries right now, all over, all over the world, all over spectrum. So just um, thank you guys for that and stay safe out there. We'll get through this. In podcast land, it's it's around the end of April, beginning of May 2020. So in the middle of this pandemic, stay strong, guys. We're in this together. And always remember, second start of the right, straight on till morning.